the White House, the Congress, the prospect of change. The importance of each and every vote. Protect and to preserve our voting system. From the ACLU, this is At the Polls, a special mini-series on, you guessed it, voting. I'm Molly McGrath, a voting rights lawyer and organizer, and your host for this series. The right to vote of all of our young people belongs to you. The machinery of democracy should work for everyone everywhere. This week, we'll be answering the question, what will election night look like this November? Election night is a quintessential American tradition. The votes come in and television networks begin to report the results. Ultimately, well into the night, the election is called, one candidate concedes to the other, and we all get to watch it happen live. But what happens when millions of people decide to mail in their votes due to COVID-19 and precincts just can't process these votes as quickly? What does a delay in results mean? To learn more, I spoke with Professor Rick Hazen. He's been studying and teaching election law since 1994. So you could say he's been at this a while. I would say things changed a lot in 2000 when we had the disputed election. An election in turmoil. A presidency in the balance. A nation waits. Who will emerge the winner in the historic Florida recount? My field went from being something that was pretty arcane to something that people were paying a lot of attention to. And to help listeners kind of get their feet under them a little bit, this election in particular, November 2020, how is this going to be different from other recent presidential elections that we've gone through? Well, most importantly, we're running an election in the midst of a pandemic. If you're talking about getting back to a degree of normality, which resembles where we were prior to COVID, it's going to be well into 2021, maybe even towards the end of 2021. Lots of people made a decision and some states made a decision to shift to voting by mail. There are five states that ordinarily conduct their elections by mail. I think the latest counts is that about nine states will be doing that in 2020. In a lot of other states, people will be able to vote by mail if they choose to without an excuse. Another difference is polling places are going to look different. It's hard to get poll workers in the middle of a pandemic, especially since we tend to draw our poll workers from older Americans. They also have to clean areas after voters are in there. Uh, this could mean longer lines, all of which is to say that there may be delays, there may be issues in terms of trying to cast a vote, which is why in those places where there's early voting, I think there's going to be a lot of encouragement for people to vote early. And if they're voting by mail, since there have been issues with the mail delivery to mail their ballots early, when people vote by mail in larger numbers, especially in states where they haven't done that before, it can take time for the ballots to be counted. There are four states as of right now that have not done all mail elections, but that are moving to all mail elections. But there are still discussions about uh, exactly how this is going to be run in there. I should mention there are also a number of lawsuits that could change how exactly people are going to be able to vote by mail. Listener Dana L. from Lawrenceville, Georgia, wrote into the podcast to ask about how long we're going to need to wait for the results of this election as compared to years past. To answer Dana's question, we reached out to an election administrator in Wisconsin, someone who is on the ground working to figure out how to run an election and deliver accurate and timely results in a pandemic. My name is Rachel Rodriguez. I am the elections management specialist for Dane County, Wisconsin. 
you're really in the front lines of election administration on putting on elections. And what does that look like? What is what are you responsible for and what is your day to day like? So it's going to be programming all of the election equipment prior to election day. I also create all the ballots themselves. So doing the entire ballot layout and ballot design is done in our office. And then it skips to election day and it's reporting all the results on election night. Let's fast forward to election day, a.k.a. the Super Bowl, the Olympics, the big day. So it's election day. It's November 3rd. And and here in Wisconsin, what does that look like? Can you walk me through what you're doing that day? And, you know, all the way to the end, you talked about tabulating results. Wisconsin is one of the minority of states, unfortunately, that cannot start processing any absentee ballots until Election Day. So come this November, you can imagine that that's going to probably be the vast majority of the work that they do at the polling place in November is actually just going to be processing those absentee ballots just from a sort of logistical and semantics point of view, processing an absentee ballot just takes more time than it does to have somebody who traditionally votes in person. If you think about, you know, all the times that you've gone to the polling place, you show up and you go to the poll book. If you're a state where there's photo ID, you might have to show your photo ID or sign the poll book. The poll worker hands you your ballot, you fill it out, and then you put it in the tabulator. So a lot of times, by the time you get into the door, it takes maybe five to 10 minutes, if that, for you to get through the entire process. You know, if you're mail-in ballot, though, especially here in Wisconsin, it just takes longer to do the whole process. Even the process of, like, physically opening up thousands of envelopes takes a really long time. And then, you know, you've got to physically feed all those ballots through the tabulator. So that's part of the reason why results may not be ready right away at 8 p.m. So if we think about results on a normal election night here in Wisconsin and in the county clerk's office, we start seeing results come in from polling places pretty quickly after 8 p.m., usually within 10 to 15 minutes. And here in Wisconsin, you said that we don't start by law processing these ballots until Election Day. And those laws vary a bit in different states, but it's about three quarters or so of voters in America can vote by mail for this election, which is the highest number that we've ever seen in U.S. history. And so, you know, from an election administration viewpoint, what does that tell you about what election night is going to look like nationally, knowing that it's going to be longer in Wisconsin? You know, usually if people are Prepared, they have this tradition of, okay, well, we'll turn on the news, we'll figure out what the results are in as states start closing their polling places. The media pundits all on TV like to have the big maps on the TV and counting down and figuring out, you know, the race to 270. Welcome to what we hope you'll find to be the clearest and up-to-the-minute election night analysis anywhere on your dial. 222 electoral votes to 197. Almost three quarters of the nation's precincts have now been reported, 73% of the precincts. It's not gonna look like that in a lot of places in November. There are some states where I think, yeah, they'll definitely be done and you might be able to have some sort of fairly definitive results on election night, but there are going to be a lot of states not only because there are states like Wisconsin where we can't start opening absentee ballots until election day, but there are many states though then as well where absentee ballots are allowed to be received after election day and counted after election day as long as they're postmarked by election day. So it's just getting voters used to this idea that just because you don't know who the winner is, 
doesn't necessarily mean that there is any sort of nefarious purposes going on or there's even necessarily any problems going on. It's just how the process plays out when you have that many thousands, if not millions of absentee ballots and mail-in ballots that you're trying to process. So Rachel, by all measures, by all polls, Wisconsin is going to be, one, very close, and also the outcome here will be really determinative on the Electoral College and who's going to take the presidency. So all eyes are really going to be on Wisconsin on election night. And what does that say to you? Yeah. So uh, as far as election administrators in Wisconsin have gone, you know, we've seen the writing on the wall. We've been prepared and been preparing for everybody to be looking at us on election night. I think this year, though, it might be one of those situations where all eyes are on Wisconsin on election night, but there might not be a whole lot for them to look at. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for giving us the inside view on what it looks like to put on an election, especially in a pandemic. Uh, Your viewpoint's been really invaluable here, and thank you for your work. I definitely appreciate the opportunity to talk about elections. It's one of those things I don't ever really get enough of. After voting has ended, the actual results could take weeks to surface, despite whatever the results appear to be at the end of election night. But according to Rick, this isn't necessarily a bad thing. If a candidate declares victory, or if a TV network declares a candidate the winner, That is not official. That does not do anything. That has no legal effect. It might have a strong political effect. If a candidate declares victory, the supporters might believe that that candidate has won. But it really is not official until the states certify their results, and that doesn't happen until weeks after the election. The electors meet in their respective states and cast their votes. The votes are sent to Congress, and Congress accepts those votes as it determines the winner of the presidency. So there are a lot of official steps that have to happen that happen much later. When it's not a close election, everyone just assumes that when one candidate has declared victory and the other candidate has conceded that the election is over, and for practical effects it is. But legally it's not, and so if it is really close, we might be focused more on those specific legal things that need to happen before the election is officially done. So if we go back to 2000, some of our listeners might not even have been around then, 18-year-olds who can vote, wouldn't have even been born yet. Can you walk us through what happened in the 2000 election, what was determined by the Supreme Court, and how you see any of that being relevant to what could possibly be happening this year after the election? Sure. Well, so the 2000 election was one of those very, very close elections. Florida has gone from too close to call to Gore, to too close to call to Bush, to too close to call. It came down to the electoral college votes of the state of Florida. Florida is a state that's traditionally been a kind of swing state that could go uh, either way. Florida is the biggest prize of the battleground states. But the difference between winning and losing here is often really small. And... On election night, some of the networks said that Bush had won. NBC News projects that George Bush, George Walker Bush, the new president of the United States, the governor of Texas. Gore, uh, the Democratic candidate, had uh, conceded defeat. And then he unconceded when it appeared that actually, with the results as they continue to come in, that Gore could actually win the election. Were you aware uh, uh, in American political history of a... uh of a concession phone call being retracted? 
not at the presidential level. <laughs> they've been, they've or been, any uh, level. For and so we then entered into a 36-day period where it was uncertain as to who won the election. Uh, but in the end, after more than a dozen lawsuits, including two trips to the Supreme Court, Al Gore conceded defeat and George Bush was declared the president. Just moments ago, I spoke with George W. Bush and congratulated him on becoming the 43rd president of the United States. What lessons can we learn from all of this? Well, we learned a number of lessons. Number one, in close elections, the rules really matter. That's part of the reason why we see the parties and others fighting over rules like voter ID laws or the kinds of voting machines that are used and all of that. Number two, our elections are really decentralized. We do them generally on the county level. We actually have over 10,000 different electoral jurisdictions that are going to be running a simultaneous election on election day. And, you know, the other thing we learned was that our technology was really bad. And even though there are fights about voting technology today, things are much improved from where they were in 2000 when estimates were that over a million people who cast ballots in the 2000 election did not have their ballots counted because of faulty machinery. Are you expecting this year that we could also see litigation after the election? This year is one of the most litigious years that we're seeing so many lawsuits filed before the election. Are you expecting the same thing after this election? Well, if you're talking about for all elections across the United States and not just for president, I think it's pretty certain that there'll be somewhere where there'll be a recount or some problem with something that's gone on. So I'm sure there will be litigation. As to whether the presidential election will go into overtime, which is something that your listeners probably care about the most, again, I think it depends on the margins. If it turns out that Pennsylvania uh, or Michigan or Wisconsin is the key state and it's really close and there are disputes over whether particular kinds of absentee ballots should be counted or whether there's polling places should have been kept open, then certainly there could be litigation in state court or in federal court. It could end up in the Supreme Court. And I expect that if it's very close, it's very likely that we'll see the parties in court since they're in court already right now. Very true. So if we take the longest case scenario here where we're going to see litigation after election night, where we might see recounts in states, you know, and those laws vary by state. Is there a final deadline, a certain day where America will take a collective sigh of relief that this election is really over? Well, again, it's not officially over until January. In early January, Congress counts the Electoral College votes and declares a winner. What we do know is that the 20th Amendment says that if no president has been chosen, by January 20th, then the existing president is no longer in office and we go to the rules of succession as to who would be president. So we've heard about Nancy Pelosi becoming president as the Speaker of the House or Chuck Grassley as the president pro temp of the Senate. And there are all kinds of scenarios in which we could theoretically imagine that we don't have a presidential election resolved by January 20th. I certainly hope we don't get to that period because all along the way, there are lots of things that could be disputed. There are lots of legal challenges that could be brought. And there are lots of questions for which there are no certain answers. And it seems like when we get into all of this post-election law and recounts, things, like you said, can really kind of be the Wild West in a bit. Is there some groundwork and preparation that we, as election law scholars, as advocates, as you know, everybody at home listening, that we could be doing right now to both prepare and prevent a situation like that? Well, the most important thing is, if you want to have people believe in a fair election, is to actually hold a fair election. 
And so I think everything should be done right now to make sure that all eligible voters, but only eligible voters, can easily cast a vote and safely cast a vote that will be fairly and accurately counted. I guess as a takeaway, if listeners were going to remember two things about what to expect election night this year, what should they take with them? Patience is the watchword. And don't be lulled by misinformation or by someone who's trying to end the election count early. Make sure that we have a fair accounting of who's actually won the election before people are willing to settle on whoever that winner might be. Thanks so much to Rick Hazen and Rachel Rodriguez for joining us. And thanks to you all for listening to our very first episode of At The Polls. Each week, we'll be answering a new question about voting rights in the lead up to the presidential election. So if you have questions you'd like us to answer, call us and leave a message at 212-549-2558 or email podcast at aclu.org. We still look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, make your voting plan. 